Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We are in Series 3. Bobby, this is all about career developments. We've covered two of the four episodes we're going to do in this series. And this is all about stages. So you may be in a, you know, different stages in your career. You could be an individual contributor. You could be contributing independently, strategically through others. Depending on where you're at is going to impact what your actions are to further your career, to progress up the chain. So in the first two episodes in this series, like I said, we've covered contributing dependently, which Bobby, contributing dependently is basically means the business is investing in you. Maybe you've got a mentor that's sitting with you, listening in on your phone calls if you're in inside sales. If you're a a sales rep, maybe they're investing in you for training for, you know, a month, three months. Maybe you're on a commission draw program. But basically, you're not providing or producing gross profit back to the business. So they're making an investment in you that they expect to get some sort of return in. So obviously, being in that stage, uh, it's going to be, you know, your your career aspirations uh, are still going to be there. But the things you need to be executing on are going to be variable based on where you're at. The second one we talked about was contributing independently. This effectively means you're kind of... You've been in that dependency stage maybe for a year, maybe for two years. Now you're providing revenue back to the business. You're contributing gross margin back to the business. You're helping uh, newcomers come into the organization. You're building up your mentor network. That was the last series that we talked about. Bobby, what are we going to cover today? Today's episode is all about contribute strategically. And we'll dive more into that throughout the episode. In the next episode... Episode four of this series, we're going to talk about contributing through others, which is really that manager role and or a manager of managers role. So today, let's dive into contribute strategically. Let's do it. I think the the big thing to know here is that um, you could be a manager here. You could be an individual contributor. What we're going to talk about this is mostly in the context of being an individual contributor. You may be an account rep. You may be an industry specialist, but basically your job and, and, and many people want this type of role. Few people can do it effectively. But basically, this job means that you're contributing exponential value back to the business. So we're going to talk about this in three different categories in keeping in themes with how we've done this, this series. Uh, the first point we're going to talk about is that heads down doesn't work anymore in this role. The second point we're going to make is that your presentation and your style must be strategic at this point. And the third part we're going to talk about here are just the general advantages and disadvantages of a role like this. What are the risks for getting into this type of a role? So, Bobby, let's jump right into it. Yeah, one thing that I'll add to the intro of this this episode is that this can also be a systems engineer, a pre-sale systems engineer that is a leader, a team lead, a forward thinker, someone who's taking on a new product line. This goes just beyond a 
account set or a territory set, this is probably in those type roles, a global role or a, you know, something much bigger and broader, but this doesn't just cover the bag carrying sales rep. Uh, so including all those roles, let's talk about the first part. Heads down won't work anymore. Yeah. And so this probably worked for you in the past. I mean, it, it most likely worked for you in the past when you're contributing independently, you're providing revenue back to the business. Maybe you're one of the top account execs or a high functioning account exec. You probably got there by having 10 customer meetings a week, uh, pounding the phones, being super responsive, doing the really, really hard work, the the grunt work. And at times I think we can both identify this with this. There are times as an account exec to where it doesn't feel sustainable that type of approach doesn't work in this role. You've got to be able to block time on your calendar. You you have to be able to see the forest. You cannot be just stuck in the middle of the trees. Um, so you've got to be really, really strategic with your time. The hard work is important, but it's not going to make you successful here. Yeah, one of the tips I still use today, and uh, it seems like we talk about Mike Porter a lot, but he taught me this trick. On my calendar, I'll put a block of time on my calendar, and the title of that calendar block will be STM. And no one seems to know what STM means. I'm giving it away to all those people that ever looked at my calendar and wanted to know, but it literally stands for stop the madness. And it's my two or three hour block of time where I get everything caught up. I get all the operational stuff done and I maybe read an article or two, but it truly is nothing special. It's just the way that, that when you're in this type of a role, you have to control that block of time. And you also have to say no to other things during that stop to the madness time because you always will get presented with opportunities to do something else. Go to talk to a rep, go have a one-on-one, go to lunch, whatever. Don't don't give up that time where you block it out. Yeah, I, Bobby, you and I were talking, uh, it was a few days ago, and we were talking about both how busy we were just with work and with just life in general. And you talked about how um, and, and correct me because I'm going to missay this, but you talked about how this is it's good for you to be in this spot because you know you're going to be most focused on the top, most important things. And that's got to be your mindset when you're in a role like this. Yeah, I think it was three or four days ago. I, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm most overwhelmed for a lot of different reasons. It's not just my day job. It's a few side projects I have outside of work. It's this. I think we were recording a couple episodes on that day. And I... I had some deliverables for you. I had some deliverables for work. I had some deliverables for these outside projects. I had family things that I need to accomplish. And my to-do list was so long, it wasn't all going to get done. And some of that does drive me. I put myself in that circumstance quite often, but it does get the, the, the important stuff bubbles to the top, no question. And sometimes I'm a procrastinator like everybody else. Sometimes what that does is it gets the whole to-do list done and those big things still get done as well because I know they're going to have to be accomplished by a certain time. And that's what that's what strategic thinkers have to be doing is getting the real work done. Yep, so block your calendar. Don't just put the generic hold on your calendar because we all know if someone's calendar says hold and you really need their time, you're just going to block right over the top of that hold. So put put stop the madness or well don't don't physically type that out, but put STM or some other acronym that will at least put a question mark in that person's mind before they just schedule right over the top of another meeting on your calendar. Um, 
the second point here, and this is all about we're, we're covering three things here, contributing strategically. The first point is heads down doesn't work anymore. Another point we'll make here is that uh, you need to be reading and listening. You, so if you're in this role, the company expects for you to not just digest the corporate decks and, and, and repeat the corporate decks and ideas. You need to be building that stuff. And the only way you're going to be able to build that type of material and contribute strategically to the business is by uh, getting outside opinions, understanding what's happening in the industry, uh, find a good author. We were just talking about uh, about some of your favorite authors, Bobby, and some of my favorite authors. Th- those people need to be uh, very present in how you uh, listen to and how, what you're listening to and reading uh, during the quiet spaces on your calendar. Yeah, I think what I would add there is competitive information. Really understanding what the customer thinks of the product or industry or solution that you're 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 involved in. You know, I'm in Houston. There's a million people that are around the oil and gas industry within a 10, 15 square mile of downtown. And regularly I hear people talk about knowing the oil and gas industry. I'll ask them a simple question about upstream, midstream, or downstream, and they don't even know how to computate what those three words mean, which really is the oil and gas industry at a bare minimum. But then you start talking about other things uh, across those three segments of the oil and gas continuum, and they will know those things. So know your industry around you. Read about that. There's a great book called Oil that is 900 pages that's mind-blowingly boring, but it'll teach you the oil and gas industry. Watch YouTube videos on the on your industry. But then it's the products and the services that compete with you. You know, customers are meeting with your competitors every day uh, in some facet or another, whether they're reading them on uh, the web from a Google search or they're watching the demo that you have on your website, on their competitor's website. All those things come together to formulate a, a viewpoint that the customer has that you, as the vendor and or company person for your company, will never have that view. Seek those to understand them, not to just beat the competition, but to understand what the customer's viewpoint is. What do they like about the competition? That will continue to grow in your mind and build that corporate strategic deck that you're responsible for in this role. Good. I love it. The second point we'll make here, second broad point, I should say, that we're going to make here under heads down won't work anymore is that you need to, your, your measurement of success is going to look different here. As an account executive or an inside salesperson, you're probably looking at metrics on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, certainly on an annual basis. In this type of a role, success is going to, it could span several years. So what? what? You mean I'm no. not, I don't have my quarterly number to call in this role? <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. So so you've got to, you, you have to know what are early signs of success? What are early signs of failure? And what makes this job a challenge, and we'll get into this a bit more in the advantages and risks, is that if you if the corporate is not on board, if sales is not on board, if marketing is not on board with what the value you're building and creating over a certainly a multi-year um, time frame, then you're going to struggle in this role. So you need to know what are early signs of success, what are early signs of failure, and then what does the organization think about that. So really spend some time thinking about beyond just the upcoming quarter, beyond just the upcoming half year, uh, what does multi-year success look like? Yeah, I'll, I think you were involved in it, Brian, uh, but a, a previous company we were at, we, the leadership team, decided to invest in something called the four dimensions of execution. 
it's a Franklin Covey leadership program. Uh, it's, it's learning, it's training. But the four dimensions of execution, really the fundamentals there are that it's much like anything else we want to accomplish in life. The big example would be lose weight. I think everybody's tried to lose weight at some point or another. You don't just lose weight by jumping on a scale every day. And that's similar to the way you would act in this role. You have to think about what's the steps I can do today to take in fewer calories or output more calories. If I do that, then I'm going to be making progress to this multi-year, multi-year goal, much like that's how you go through the process of losing weight. So think of it from that perspective that these are baby steps you're taking each day, week, month, quarter that will create this real outcome of losing 20 pounds or increasing revenues by millions of dollars. It's not something short-sighted. It's not something you can even do in a day. Uh, The analogy of have nine women do one month of the pregnancy so you can have a baby in one month, that's never going to work. This role is the journey. It's the marathon. It's not the sprint. Good stuff. Okay, the second point we're going to cover here, Bobby. So we're we're talking all about contributing strategically to the business. This is a uh, one of the four stages. This is the third of the four stages. The first one we talked about was the heads down approach won't work anymore. Uh, the second one we're going to talk about is presenting strategically, and this is more than just learning and getting better at speaking in public. At this point. You, you should be good at that. You certainly should be confident enough in whatever your skill set is to be able to confidently speak in public, be good at it, be able to articulate your points well. But Bobby, this is all about prioritizing and sequencing your thoughts. And I, I think the uh, Phil Sorgen was a, was a guy we worked for at Microsoft for years ago. And one thing he, he probably didn't come up with, this is probably a principle that's existed for decades, but it was new to me is he always talked about prioritizing and sequencing your thoughts in threes. He said everyone can memorize everyone can can digest things in threes. So when when you're when you're building out your argument, when you're making your pitch, it's you need to be really clear, really concise, and you need to be able to talk in threes when it comes to your points. Funny we have three categories today that we're talking about, Mr. Evans. Right. It's it's uh, it's really stuck with me. It's a really great way to clear out ambiguity whenever you're building out any sort of presentation. Well, the other thing that I've probably done or, or been a, been known for maybe in my corporate roles is challenging the status quo. You know, I'm I've always struggled a little bit with a bunch of people in one city who see each other every day coming up with the decks and the messaging that's going to flow across many different cultures and cities and organizational types across the United States and or the globe, you know, you have to be the guy or the girl on the team now that can present things strategically with the corporate deck, but with your local market in mind, with your local industries in mind. And and you can't just take what you get and regurgitate it and hope for the best. You have to be that leader in role that's changing that deck to strategically make an impact on your partners, on your customers, and on your industries that you serve on a daily basis. And we covered this a bit in the first section, but you really have to get back to reading. The only way you're going to really raise your game is by broadening your viewpoints. Uh, so pick an author, pick a group of authors that you you haven't uh, traditionally spent time, you know, reading uh, or listening to. I, I, you know, I don't always have time to grab a book and sit in a corner, but I almost always have time to have my uh, Apple uh, AirPods in. Is that what they call it? Earbuds? Yeah, that's AirPods. so. 
and uh, have those in on the train and listen to the latest book. It, but you, you've got to, to get back to reading if you've gotten away from it. Pick a new author. Pick a thought leader. Publish content. And, and you're not going to be great at it early on, but you can get better and better and better at it. Uh, certainly, you know, this role is going to demand that. Certainly, you're going to be contributing through corporate decks and that internal information. But you need to be seen as a visible industry leader, both internally and externally. If, if you're in this role, the company is probably putting you in front of big prospective customers. That prospective customers wants to know they're meeting with a heavy hitter. If they go to your LinkedIn page and they see a bunch of blank spaces there, what, what are they going to think about you or what you could potentially bring to their business? If you don't know what to read or don't have any ideas on what you should be reading, there's millions of reading lists on the web. We are doing book reviews on our website, bobbyandbrian.com. There's some probably good options out there, but there's always a reading list that you can gather from. And then just go to Audible. Just go to Amazon and find a list of books as well. I would I would be happy to recommend some books for you personally. My, na- my name's Bobby, and you can reach me at bobby at bobbyandbrian.com. There's plenty of good stuff to read out there to make you better in this role for sure. The, the final point under this, Bobby, is being a master at objection handling. Um, and we think about this well beyond what a rep could do, right? As a rep, we've been uh, we've been confronted with hundreds of objections. Um, but you've got to, as a, as a senior leader, as a strategist in the business, be able to slow the conversation down and really be a master of the messaging and make it real. The, the, the prospect that uh, they're probably in front of, they're going to be able to see through a thinly veiled or a poorly coached executive here. You've got to be really good at it. The only way you're going to get really good at it is by doing it all the time and practicing it all the time and anticipating what those questions might be. You can't show up and just get lucky in these meetings. The thing that I worked on in these type of roles is with my with my peers and the groups around me, asking them to challenge me with the, the objections they've been getting and the stories they've been telling to solve that. What that does is it gives you in the strategic role 10x the opportunity to, to respond to and to hear how others are responding to those objections and those messages. Customers are going to negotiate. They're going to ask for more. They're going to throw the competitor's FUD back at you. And you have to be the guy or girl on the team that is able to succinctly consume that message or, or, or objection and replay in such a way that the customer believes you're going to solve for it or overcome that objection and that your your low risk, whatever it is that you're selling, service, product, solution, so that they feel comfortable parting ways with their money to, to buy into your solution or thought process. Yeah, and, and a tactic to do this it really is to slow that conversation down. You you clearly have to know your technology, whatever it is you're selling. You have to know it inside and out. You you must be an expert. Um, but there's a lot of uh, negotiation skills that you need to get up to speed on. Um, and, and ideally, you've experienced this. You've experienced these types of challenges as an account executive. You've, you've gained this experience over many years. If you haven't and you're kind of in this role and you haven't been put in front of a lot of uh, customer-facing type activities, uh, you really need to anticipate uh, the challenges. You need to be meeting with the account executives to, uh, to work out what it is that is coming up in these sales cycles because they are going to look across the table to you, uh, to your point, Bobby, and they're going to have a, uh, some sort of risk concern 
and you need to be able to calm those concerns concerns with um, with something that's very confident. Yep. So let's jump into the third of these three sections that we're covering today. First, we covered heads down won't work anymore. We covered present strategically. We just wrapped that one, and now we're going to discuss the advantages and risks of this of this role or this stage of your career. One of the risks that not many people probably think about before they jump into it is the risk of being pigeonholed into this role. Look, the company invested in you early on when you were contributing independently. Then you were a rock star, we assume, when you contributed independently. And now they're somewhat investing in you again to let you have this multi-year role to come up with this message and these objection handles and these presentations. What happens when you're the only person that can do that? You, you become the only person that can do that. How hard is it to leave that role and get to the next stage of your career? So some strategies to not necessarily get pigeonholed would be to make sure you're bringing a lot of people along with you. Look, there's two or three other people that are contributing strategically, or sorry, that are contributing independently with you, around you, that want to be contributing strategically. Make sure you're including them, teaching them, sharing your mindset and your thought process with them so that you have two or three people that are ready to take your role when you're ready to make and create that next role for yourself. It's a great point. We'll talk about this a lot in the next uh, episode of this series is that you you have people that surround you that that want to get into this type of role, they must be on your succession plan. You need to be able to, you need to be giving them stretch assignments. You need to let them present. Uh, you need to give them every opportunity. Uh, otherwise, like I say, Bobby, you're going to be pigeonholed to this role and it's going to be tough to move on if that's your goal. And I guess, Bobby, what kind of brings us to, you know, why leave something like this? Um, it, it's a great role. It's uh, it typically pays pretty well. I think what I hear most often when people are in this role is since many of us are very aggressive type A people, we want to do something bigger. We want to do something better. Uh, so look about, look at how, how do you grow? You know, maybe you cover a certain district. How do you grow to, to be regional? Uh, you should always be reaching beyond your current scope. Um, even once you've kind of quote unquote made it in this type of scenario. Yeah, and I would say, look, if you're listening and you say, well, I love my job, I don't want to leave this job, there's nothing wrong with being a career pro in place while you're contributing strategically. You will be very valuable, you will be, be very hard to replace, and if you love it and you don't want to leave, don't feel like you have to, don't feel like we're telling you you have to, but if you want to, you better be planning from that first or second quarter of being in this role, how you bring along people with you, and how you have some some sort of a succession plan in place so that you don't get to be the only guy or girl that can do this and make it another year of transition before you can get out of this. Yeah, it, it, Phil talked about it in the interview and I think that one of the ways you can make this a very enjoyable role, even if you have been doing it for a period of time, is Phil talked about doing more of quote unquote that and, and that being more of what you like and less about less of what you don't like. Uh, so just so look at your schedule, optimize when you're in your zone time and how can you invest and spend more time there? Yeah, I'd add here too, if you are in this role and you happen to become quote unquote pigeonholed, if you can be super strategic, there is a great opportunity here to create another role, create the next job, create a, a, a leader role of three or four of these strategic thinkers uh, that are com contributing strategically globally, maybe. Uh, look, Brian was in Dallas two years ago, 
uh, doing what he's doing today and turned it into a global role uh, with a lot of career development and strategy along the way. But you would be able to create a, another role in this scenario where you were managing other people and could maybe leave this stage in your career and become one that was contributing through others. But be thinking about it. Don't get stuck if you don't want to get stuck. It is really the biggest risk. So, Bobby, with that, don't forget the five questions quarterly that you need to be asking. As we talked about on the previous episodes, we've got under bobbyandbrian.com slash tools. We have a career development workbook. This asks you five questions. Who am I? Don't lie about it. Be truthful about who you, who you are. What, do you, what value are you contributing? What do you do well? What can you do? Like what Phil talked about, do more of quote unquote that. What do you enjoy doing? Uh, we talked a lot about what you enjoy doing. If you're in your zone, keep doing that. What do you not enjoy doing? Make sure that you keep track of those things too so you don't accidentally take a role that's going to be 90% of one of those things you don't enjoy doing. Yeah, and, and just so you're never getting stuck in sort of um, in, in just doing status quo, always question yourself, ask two questions. What experiences do I need to add? And what feedback do I need to better ingest? These are something, again, we've provided a workbook for you to, to, to track this over a period of time. I, I always joke that I'm great at convincing myself two years after I didn't enjoy something that I might enjoy it two years later. By having this documented, I've done it for years and years, by having this documented, you can keep yourself out of potentially a bad situation and maybe find something really that you, you, you love doing that you kind of got away from that maybe you could find your way back to it. I would also throw out real quick that hiring managers are salespeople and they are going to make you feel like this role is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you might have to do a little bit of that thing you don't like, but don't worry about it. If you could only imagine how many people I've interviewed that are doing 100% travel when they said they'd only be doing 10% travel, etc. Don't let that future hiring manager talk you into doing something you really don't like doing. Refer back to your notes, refer back to your workbook, and make sure you make those right decisions. Great. Thanks, Bobby. So, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback. Please keep it rolling in. Uh, send us a note on Facebook. It's at Bobby Brian Sales, both on Facebook and Twitter. Send us an email, info at bobbyandbrian.com. Thanks very much for your feedback. Everyone, have a great week. And as always, don't forget, average is the enemy. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.